Hi, I'm Darren Minster and I'm here with my colleague. Hi, I'm Cara Sowell. Uh, and we are part of the team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. So welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. In this episode, we'll be exploring the wider university staff community's knowledge and skills that they can add to teaching and learning. So I'm really pleased to have Paul Edwards with us today, who is Swansea University's longest serving grounds manager and has been with the university for 36 years. Paul joined the university as a gardener in 1986 and is now grounds manager, having also gained an MSc in environmental conservation and management. So welcome, Paul. Thank you. So I have a personal interest in today's podcast as my grandfather was a gardener in Swansea University between mid-1960s and early 1980s. So I'm really proud to be able to get a chance to look at teaching and learning through the lens of today's podcast. And so discussing with my mother, whose, whose father was my grandfather, worked in the university uh, about this podcast. And she sort of came up with this metaphor between nurturing plants and nurturing students and how the climate, environment and resources all have an influence. So how do you feel the university's grounds add to the university's learning environment? Well, with the botanical garden in particular, which is listed, thankfully, it is in, in essence an outdoor classroom where we've been in the process of restoration work, restoring the botanical gardens pretty much since I started, if I'm honest. It's, it's that kind of process. Um, when we inherited it, it was reaching its maturity at the time. So we've been in the process of identifying the species we have and labeling them and getting that information out there. Again, from a, from a welfare perspective, really, it, it's more to the fore now than it's ever been. We've had a, a, a distinct increase in footfall. Ironically, I think it, it is linked to the lockdown where people were getting out and about more for their own welfare. It's been really nice to see, you know, um, instead of people coming into work or coming into study and getting up with their cars and going straight into the buildings. They don't now. We see a lot more people around enjoying what, what is an outstanding campus. I think we're really, really spoilt. Sometimes uh, you lose sight of that being a workplace. When I have colleagues uh, visiting from other universities saying, you know, how lucky we are really, which we are. And sometimes it's, it's nice to be reminded of that sometimes, you know, I think it's getting more appreciated by the students and, and the staff alike now, which, which is great. So from a perspective of a teacher and student, what do you think can be learned from nature? Well, I think one of the most appealing aspect of it to me, really, from a learning um, perspective is that it's, it's never complete. It's a constantly evolving landscape, literally. You know, if you're planning 10, 15, 20, 50, 60 years ahead, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of planting that I've done since I've been with the university, I'll, I'll never see it to fruition, which I'm fine with, you know, it's a legacy piece. I don't want to sort of start spouting cliches, but as long as we, we hand it over in a, in a better condition than what we got it, then job done. And again, it's, it's nice to see some former students coming back as well. Alumni volunteers that come back and help us on the grounds as well. But yeah, I think the most endearing thing really is, is that it's, it's never going to be complete and it's. When you get the, the, the students coming in and you see them when they finish their term time with the university and they move on, it, it's almost like a seasonal thing as well. You can't help sort of linking the two together sometimes, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's what I get from it anyway. You know, that, that's, that's the appeal to me is that I can honestly say I've never had two days the same since I've been here. Um, 
that's good, a good thing. And sometimes it's a challenge, but that is the appeal. And the, the, the students really do, really do enjoy, enjoy the environment. You know, I think it's been a, a marked increase in recent years. I think there's more awareness now than ever of, of the environment. That's a great thing to see. What we tend to notice is there's a sense of ownership. These are your grounds. So we don't get the damage we used to get. We don't get it anymore. We don't get theft. We don't get any, anything like that. They, they really do, you know, embrace it. You talked about planning and obviously you said there's a long-term aspect and then obviously you've got those short seasonal planning. How do you go about that? Because as you mentioned, there's a lot of change and everything's moving so quickly recently. So how do you take all those factors into consideration and actually kind of distill that down into those short and long-term plans then? I say one of the most important things in my role is to work really, really closely with the projects team. As in, literally, if we plant this tree here, you're not going to come and stick a building on it. So it's literally the future proofing is uh, areas that aren't going to be disturbed. Like a bee meadow, for example, is listed. So that's pretty, pretty safe. The botanical garden, the botanical garden meadow is listed as well. The surrounding area of the abbey is listed as well. And Cad will keep a close eye on that, which is great. When we have had contracted work going out before with planting trees, like with the, with the digital technium building, um, they planted Corsican pines next to it. They were never going to reach maturity. We had to move them because if we hadn't moved them, we couldn't see digital technium there. So it, it's, it's ensuring legacy pieces, like with trees, especially with you know, native species, is that where we're planting, they will reach maturity. They won't be disturbed. They're not going to hinder street lighting or signage or, or the roads or anything like that. So we need to give that quite a bit of thought. Even some of the, 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 the more mature trees we have on campus, we try to compensate or plant relatively near to them. And if they've got 30 years left in them, as I say, I won't be around to, you know, to see that, but at least we've got something that replaces it for when it does fail. A lot of the botanically interesting specimens in the botanical gardens, particularly, we've had to take out. It's a bit of a leap of faith. Well, you've got a leap of faith and you've got to back yourself really. Is that this, this is now not a good example of what it should be. It's, it's old. It's a bit like me, really. It's, 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 it's past its best and it needs to be changed for something. Yeah. A younger specimen to, to mature in that, in that space. So. Yeah, it's all things like that, really. Um, but I think well, the, the, the most important thing is to, is to work really closely with projects because it's nothing more galling than we've have landscaped an area and there's a GCB on it the next morning. But that tends not to happen. I mean, the lines of communication are much, much better than they were. So, yeah, that, that's my main challenge, really. But with the Bay Campus, again, a different set of a sort of criteria because we're trying to landscape a beach, basically, which is a, a challenge in itself. But yeah, it, it, it's working hand in hand with the projects team and any future development, but we need to know, is there any plans for that area in the next 10 years? That's basically what we've got to do really is, is, is to have a good look into the future to see what, what the university's plans are. Keeping those lines of communication open with other teams to make sure yeah. you've got a very sort of far reaching overview of what's happening within the Absolutely. Yeah. And especially with things like memorial trees and stuff like that, it's a very emotive subject. So we've had that situation before we've had to move trees, which uh, isn't the best, but we've had to do that. But 
as I say, it's much, much better than it was. You've got to talk to each other really. And um, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. But my sort of job is a little more challenging, I would say, and is that if you've built a wall in the wrong place, you just knock it down and put it where it should be. If you've got a tree that's been there for the last five years and it's going to move, well, we can't just cut it and glue it over there. You know, it's something that's a living thing, you know. So yeah, that's such a bit of a challenge. Someone who's starting within your team, how do you pass that knowledge on to them? And make sure that when one generation of groundsmen have left, how do you make sure that those coming up through the ranks kind of get that knowledge and have that knowledge passed on to them? I'm very fortunate in that the grounds team are very, very enthusiastic and I'm very passionate about what they do. I think you have to be really, otherwise it show everyone can see it if you can go to some campuses. And you can quite clearly see that they're not, the people aren't there, aren't very happy. It's not, not a high standard. But when we've got new ground staff, what we tend to do is, is mentor them rather than sort of, you know, sort of leave them out there so I get on with it. We, we never make that assumption because um, there are some areas that are unique to the university, like the reptilery and the, and the tower gardens and things like that. We tend to um, not shadow ourselves a bit like micromanaging, but we mentor when we've got new staff, you know, so they're never left on their own. And um, Ultimately, to be honest with you, Karis, when I've got the confidence that I can let them loose, that that's when we let, let them do something on their own. Because, it, you know, with the best will in the world, you can do a lot of damage in a morning if you don't know what you're doing, you know. If you're cutting the wrong things out, it has happened. They don't work here anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it does happen. So, I mean, it's when, it's when we've got that confidence in, in them. Because I think what I find with uh, with new staff is that from a managing perspective, you know, you, you've got to give feedback. I mean, there's no such thing as bad feedback. It's just feedback, whether you're doing a good job or a bad job. I'm doing them a disservice if they're not doing a certain task the way I need it because they, they can't rectify it if they don't know. There's no negative feedback. It's just feedback. And, and then we can see where we are. And, and then the flip side of that, sometimes if we do have somebody coming in new, then they, they, they can offer a different perspective, you know, and sometimes you look at it in the fresh eyes and you think, okay, we've been doing it that way for the last 10 years, but we've never sort of stepped back. Like, why are we doing that? There's another way of doing it. You know what I mean? And, and, and that is happening. It's a very um, holistic thing with the grounds team. I mean, they all have a heck of a lot of input. Too much sometimes, to be honest, trying to collate it. But it's a nice problem to have is that people are so interested in what they're doing. They just keep throwing ideas at me and, you know, different specimens, trying to source plants that I've never even heard of sometimes. It's a nice, nice, not a problem. It's a nice, uh, nice thing to have to, have to sort of manage. It sounds like you're sort of drawing on their strengths really and mentoring them to be um, suitable for kind of the very unique needs that Swansea has, but also kind of drawing on the strengths that they have and what they can bring to them. Yeah. Yeah, they've, got, they've got a lot out of it themselves, really, because I think people are more capable than they realise. It's only when you are put in a position to mentor somebody that, you know, you they, they, they are very knowledgeable. And sometimes people sell themselves short, which is a tragedy, I think. The good thing about it is, is that people, that when they're passing on their skill sets, it, it gives them a sense of, of worth as well. And it does come across that they're all very, um, you know, very proud of what they do. It sort of feels like they're helping those who are starting out, but also they're giving something back really and getting something if you're the person mentoring yeah. you're learning from the, the people that you're bringing on yeah it's a win-win really mm. so you, you've mentioned us the passion uh, within the team and the high standards and the university has won many awards over the years for its gardens and grounds so how do you maintain that level of excellence well we, we first had the green flag in 2017 we've held it since 2017 for singleton and then we had it in 2018 for the Bay and we've held that ever since. 
there's a million things that I could bore both of you with or I'd like to do, but the reality is it's not going to happen. So it's to keep it, pardon the pun, is to keep it grounded, uh, is that we can achieve this. Um, and then when the green flag judges come to audit the sites, they can see that we have. Each time we do, the plan gets revised every year is that what we've got on it is that we're either what we're going to do or we are in the process of doing so that goes down really well because they do rightfully so monitor it you know and you can if you put something in it's completely pie in the sky then you're not doing yourself any favors but you know what i found that as a good sort of benchmark really is that we are improving annually which is great you know and if people want to retain it and it's and you know we've had a lot of support from the, from the senior management in the estates team as well so it's nice to be recognized. It's recognition for the team as well. And we're the only dual campus in the UK as well that's got it. So yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have that, you know, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. The only thing that annoyed me was that Arborist got it just the year before us. We would have been the only ones in Wales then. They just beat us, but we are the only uni in the UK now that's got the Heritage Awards. And we got awarded the Heritage Award last year, as, as the name suggests, it's, it's the, the, the restoration work that's going on around the Abbey, you know, with the, the fountains being restored and we are not restricted is the wrong word. We, when, when we do the planting around the Abbey, it's in keeping with what would have been around the Abbey in its pomp sort of thing, you know, at its time, so we don't put any modern, they are, believe it or not, there are modern types of plants that would really not go up there. So we've got to stick to Victorian plants, which uh, not people will probably wouldn't notice really, but that's part of the caveat that Cado impose that, which, which is good. It would look, it, it look, it looks right. Yeah, certainly doing something right, Paul. Yeah, but yeah, that's always my, whenever I get in trouble, that's always my argument. Yeah. <laughs> See, you've mentioned well-being a, a couple of times uh, so far in the podcast and you know, mentioned the increasing importance of well-being. So how do you feel the university's grounds add to students and staff well-being? Well, I think like on a day today particularly, it's pretty, you know, pretty obvious, but it's an area now where we're trying to set aside areas where um, we've got things like the Contemplative Garden uh, by James Callahan, um, the Botanical Gardens, as I've said, is really, really popular. Um, and the funding students are studying more as well outside now. We've got an area which we are currently creating down in the Botanical Garden. It's just a simple circle of logs, which has become a really popular meeting place. So we're going to be planting willows um, in, a, in a larger circle around the, the, the logs. And then we'll fold the willows over to form like a big igloo. It'll just like a green igloo, which you can sit down inside. And they've done a similar thing in the National Botanical Gardens, you know, which is going to be a lot bigger. So it'll be a meeting place for them. So yeah, it's a socializing area and as a sort of downtime area as well. We do see people out and about with their laptops sometimes, but sometimes it's nice to see them with nothing and just switch the phone off. This is one of the things that really struck me during the lockdown when I had to come in um, to check all the things was the amount of noise of birdsong. It's always been there. It's just that you couldn't hear it before because of the traffic, but you do notice it more now, but it was like, where all these birds come from? They've always been there. It's just, you can hear them now, you know, um, which, which was amazing. We've put a lot more um, wildflower areas in on, on Singleton and the Bay as well, which people have given us really positive feedback about. We have school groups and the kids from the crash go for walks around the grounds as well. It's just a nice place to be. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, on a day like today, the bay is lovely, um, but it can be an absolute nightmare when the weather is bad it could, it's for the high winds. 
but we are, we've installed um, new um, planters up at the Oracle at the college. So for the, children, for the students to grow their own vegetables and so on and so forth, we've got the similar thing on Singleton as well, which has been really, really popular. But yeah, I mean, as long as, you know, it's, it's again, it's a cliche again. It's just to make a nice environment for students and staff and visitors, really. Each one is as important as the other. I mean, it's, yes, the, the students are the customer, but we've got a lot of staff as well. And it does change the way you, you look at your work environment. I get quite a few compliments about just people coming up the main drive and saying, look, and saying, oh, nice, it looks, and it set me up for the day. Well, right. It's job done then, isn't it, you know? It's a nice place to be. We, I think, and I keep on about it. I think we're really, really lucky. Um, when you've been to, I'm, I'm a member of the, it's a bit of a mouthful, it's the University Horticultural Officers Association, whereby we visit different campuses around the UK every 18 months. And the next one I've got to go to is in Stirling. Nice campus Stirling is, but you go to some campuses and you're, I'm not going to mention any names, don't worry. Um, you think the, 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 their budget is phenomenal. Um, they've got lots of staff and you go there and you think, God, there's nothing there. Like, you know, it's just, it's bleak. It's, it's characterless. It's McDonald's landscaping, we call it like a McDonald's car park. You know, you could be anywhere in the UK and then you go to the campuses there which we've got nothing and it's absolutely outstanding. You know, I mean, we've only got five grown staff on Singleton and the Bay and it's a credit to them that we, that we get, get it done, you know? But again, I know I keep on about it, but it's because they want to do it. You can't, if you want to sort of do this as a line of work for the money, then it's really the wrong job. You've, you've really got to want to do it. And I think it shows, it really does show. It makes my job easier as well. If you, do, you can't make somebody do this, you know, because again, it's the sort of thing we get in the, especially this time of year now when the spring is coming and the bulbs are up and it's just lovely, but you know, quite often, and it's well-intended, you get staff saying to me, do you know, I do, oh, you're just so lucky. I'd love you a job. And they go, come on, we'll have a chat in November when it's chucking it down and we've still got to do it. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. Do they yeah. have staff or students helping you? Do they have sort of like learning projects or anything that you're having to help yeah. with? What, what sort, of, sort of partnership do you have with staff and students? We had um, a team building day. Um, for the timetabling team in the States. Um, and that went down really, really well. They adopted a, a bed down in, um, in the botanical gardens, planted it up themselves. And then as again, from the welfare sort of perspective, they come down and tend it every now and again, you know, and we were doing things like building habitat piles. We were restoring the edge of the stream in the botanical garden and we just would show them all the equipment we use and everything. And it was, it went down really, really well. So we're hoping to start that up again. We've got a small student group that's only started up at the tail end of last year, again, working in the botanical gardens. And now they're looking to get funding to uh, create an allotment on Singleton. So I think they've secured the funding for that. And again, we have the, the alumni volunteers, which come and help us as well. So yeah, we've had, well, let's see, we have had a lot more inquiries, uh, following lockdown, I think, I think, I think that has got a direct impact on it is people wanting to, to get out and, 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 and help and get away from their monitors in the break time. So we're seeing that a lot more. So with the volunteers, I only had an inquiry only last week, actually, of another, another group of, uh, of retired, uh, local people who want to come in and, and help, you know, so. What we try and do is not make it too restrictive. I think on the website, um, it currently says only Wednesdays, but it's any day really. I'm not going to, you know, we, we can do it end of the week. We can cater for them. And then um, it sounds like 
it had a huge impact on well-being of staff and students at Swansea, but also the community. And I guess that really feeds into uh, maybe things like their learning experiences, needing a break from study, and yeah. that kind of really will improve that overall experience for students at Swansea. I was just wondering, I know from your Darren's introduction earlier, you've done a master's in science yourself. Mm. I was just wondering, how has being at the university influenced your approach? It's been really, really useful. I've quite called upon it quite a bit. I only recently gained it. My actual paper I had to submit was the impact of increased footfall on the dual system next to the Bay Campus, which was a bit of luck because the Bay Campus was, was being constructed at the time. And so that involves doing quadrants of all the pathways on the tomb system and so on and so forth. And thinking, is it really going to impact the, the, the triple SI um, next to it? And um, it hasn't. And if there was alarm bells going off or be, it'll be going on, you know, they'll set it on fire, there'll be barbecues, there'll be this, there'll be that. Be really minimum. And they are using it as well. So they're using it responsibly. But from the other, other side of, with gaining the masters is that when you are in, certain meetings and you can back it up with, I do know what I'm talking about. It's been, it's been really useful for that. Luckily I had it as a bursary with Swansea Met, um, university. It was very good. It took me a bit, uh, it took me longer than I thought it would, if I was honest, cause I'm a dinosaur. It was well worth it, you know, well worth it. So I do use it as well all the time. It's good to have, you can't sort of just pull facts out of the air. You've got to substantiate, you know, why you're coming to a conclusion. I'm glad I've got that to fall back on that as well, yeah, to be very useful, especially when there is proposed building works being done, shall we say. And you, yeah, no, you can't do that. Yes, we can. No, you can't. I can prove you can't as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Things like that. Yeah. You mentioned a lot there about sort of the unique features of Swans in terms of the dunes and also the single mm -hmm. campus being very close to the beach as well. And also your experiences of visiting other, uh, university gardens throughout the UK. So in what ways do you think then the campus environment in, in Swansea reflects identity and ethos of Swansea University? Well, I think landmark wise, the Abbey is an obvious sort of uh, go-to there. And again, even though the, the campus is clearly on, on, on the beach, Singleton campuses as well, really, we're on an ancient dune system, um, where the Abbey meadow floods occasionally, it's actually a wet dune slack. Might not look like sand dunes, but we're actually campuses built on sand dunes. You don't even have to dig down that far before you hit it, you know? So yeah, what's, what stands out again, like I was saying before is with, I look at it from, if you had a, a photograph of a campus, you should be able to tell where it is if, you, if you've been on it. If you can't, then there's something missing there, you know, then yeah, there's not many, there's not many campuses set within a park for a start, you know, and we're that close to the beach as well. You've got the goer peninsula area of outstanding natural beauty on your doorstep. You've got nightlife within walking and crawling distance and you're on, on the M4 corridors with you. It's then we say we, we're really, really lucky. But yeah, I think Singleton is, is, is the one that stands out more for me, I suppose, because this is, you know, where, where I've been working all my working life. Um, the Bay campus isn't there yet. But I, it will be, but it'll probably be, you know, a bit of way down the line yet. I think what, what the, the Bay campus is lacking 
It hasn't got an abbey. It's got the Great Hall and that's it. It could be anywhere, really. If you weren't facing seawards, it could be anywhere. But that's easily rectifiable. I think it's something that we're looking at now is really is that what's unusual about Singleton and the Bay Campus in comparison to other campuses, there's no sculptures. There's nothing. For some reason, I don't know why. There's no war memorial on, on Singleton. Um, most universities of this age have former students, of, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's, again, it's one of those things, it's a, it's a plug-in thing. You can rectify that really easily, you know, and I think we're looking at that with the Bay, which I think would be outstanding. Looking at, you know, like you know, the engineering department, I know they've got that massive front landing carriage of an aircraft in, in one of the covered areas there. Um, but something like that outside, even if it looks, the, the way I look at it is with the Bay campus, and this is my, my former line manager told me before, was that people look to the university to be innovative, to do something different. From a sculpture perspective, if we put something at the Bay, which is absolutely hideous, I think that's great. Because it's going, people are going to talk about it, but I think it's, you've got to take a leap of faith sometimes and try not to fall into the cliches of getting a rowing boat and planting it up with summer bedding. Don't do that. It's been done to death. Don't. <laughs> do something else. Um, and one thing we have tried at the Bay is the uh, garden industria by the college, which uh, is trying to sort of pay homage to the what the site used to be. And it's got a lot of industrial pipes just sticking out the ground around them. I think it looks great. I think what it's trying to portray is how nature takes back industrial areas. So we put some wildflower plugs in there, but the rest of it is just, it's growing back on its own. So it's just to show people that when we do disappear, then nature's quite happy with that. And it just takes, you now it looks quite nice actually. So yeah, I think environment wise, the singleton has it's got the edge. But the bay can be easily, easily um, rectified, really, with uh, having a couple of focal points on it. So you mentioned the activities of how students and staff can take ownership of the grounds through adopting beds and the vegetables uh, growing for the students. So what other activities do you use then to promote a sense of community and inclusion within the university? And how did that, those sort of projects come about? Well. With the, um, I'll give you a, a recent example, the, the college has been awarded the uh, Hedgehog Friendly Silver Award, which is great. And that was the students approached us and it was quite a long criteria list of what are we doing to ensure that we look after our hedgehogs, you know, which, was, which was even building little, little ramps for them so that if they fall in the water, they can get out in little things like that, you know, and we created habitat piles anyway. So we're 99.9% .9 there. I think we only just missed the goal. We get the goal next time. But it's things like that where they approach us and say, look, can you help us with this? We, we need to take on board the feedback from, from the, from the criteria. And, you know, we, which means like in, in the case with the hedgehog friendly award is uh, reducing the amount of herbicides we use, which we are actively doing anyway, but we want to try and eliminate that altogether in the not too distant with part of, part of the biodiversity action plan. And the other ones we get simply where the, when the guys are out in the boat is students um, coming on to them and saying, can I, how do I go find out about helping you doing this? So it's, it's, it's wonderful. I would just to say the last 18 months, two years, I've never seen anything like it. But they just gen generally approach the grounds team. Um, now and again, we see, we get inquiries from the website and we promote then as well, what activities during Freshers Week. We did one with, it looked like a box, but it had crest seeds in it. And we ran a competition for the most creative way of growing it. It's brilliant. 
because it would grow on anything. So they would, they would grow in, I mean, in eggshells and one guy grew it in his mate's trainers, let him go in. It was brilliant. It was good fun, you know, but it was, it was a good way of putting it across what we can do. Um, and we do get a lot of inquiries from them. We're trying to work a bit closer with uh, the people in the crash as well to get the, the young, the youngsters out because they're always out on the boat and we always get accosted whenever the tractor is out. You can imagine with the kids, they've got to stop and they've got to have a look at it, which is great, you know, which is great. But mainly it's the website, which, which is under revision again, websites being redone again with more contact details on it. The grounds have their own email address. My email address is on the website as well. So one of the things I'd like to do, to be honest, is with the botanical gardens, the pergola is, is due for restoration. And also the what botanical garden actually had its own listed gates that go on the entrance to it. And they're going to be relocated a little bit closer to the main drive, mainly because a lot of people don't know it's there. So the gate cons will be moved closer to where the security head is now, which is going to be taken away. And then to have an information point near there. So we've got a map of the botanical garden and then contact details. And I think that'll make a world of difference. So people can, you know, look at the information when, there's, when there is no one around or we haven't got a laptop in front of you or, or a phone. The other area we've got then in, in the pergola itself. There is quite a fancy looking granite plinth, which is an information board, really, really well made. It used to have the original plans of the botanical garden in it, but they've been scanned and preserved now because it was starting to crumble. But the idea is, is to put a seasonal poster in that. So if you're in the garden today, this will say, well, you can literally, you can keep an eye out for this, keep an eye out for that, or listen for that bird song or listen for that bird song. And we could change that then seasonally so people know what to expect to look at. And if you'd like to volunteer, please contact da, 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 da. There's nothing more frustrating and when the feedback is people want to volunteer and they don't know how to go about it, you know, so we've been working on it at the end of the year. That would be done. It seems a, a constant theme really has come through the podcast so far is the holistic approach you take really uh, as a team, uh, you know, leading in many areas, but also spend a lot of time listening as well and engaging with the students and staff. Yeah, we've got to cater for what they want. 99% of the time, it's exactly the same thing. Yes, and it is, there's more, and I'm looking at this completely from a mercenary perspective, really, is there's more funding available now because welfare has gone so big. It's a win-win. It's not creating areas for the sake of it. It's what we should be doing. And I think but now there's a bit more support for that because it's what people expect, you know, and, and right, rightfully so. But it just so happens that we're really lucky where we are. It's not that much of a push, you know, to do. Sounds like you've got an awful lot of things in the pipeline for the future as well. It's the things that you are continuously developing. I'm guessing if you're responding to um, queries and to suggestions from students and staff and the community, et cetera, that you're always kind of having to take into consideration lots of different views. And I'm just wondering, are there any kind of key goals or focuses now as you look forward? I'm sure COVID probably threw a lot of those into a bit of chaos, but what, what kind of your key goals now moving forward? And is there anything particular you'd like to get more volunteers involved with? Um, I think, I mean, most of the traditional money, one of the things that COVID brought about was, was a really nice big fat budget for additional benches. If you, if you be on Singleton, we've got a lot more benches, a lot more circular benches on the trees and that. What I'd like to look at going forward is to just people just to, instead of spending your downtime in a coffee shop, staring at your phone, you might be coming across how much I hate mobile phones. Um, just switch it off, talk to each other, look up, 
you know, it's, it's, I know it sounds a bit twee, but it's really is because it's just one of those things that's, that I think we've really, we've really lost out on. We need to, we need to get back to some things and that, and that, and that is, it's so beneficial as well. Leave your phone in the drawer, go for a walk, enjoy the grounds, come back and then go back on it. But I think it's, it's just getting people away uh, from, from that really. I mean, they're under enough pressure as it is students, you know is to have a nice environment that they could, they can enjoy. I mean, looking for the long term, I mean, even, you know, looking beyond when I'm long retired is there's a legacy piece that the campus remains a place that, I, that I'd want to go to, not the place that I have to. I think that's the biggest compliment to the grounds team really is we get a lot of people on campus that have got no other reason to be here other than they having a nice walk around the campus, which is amazing, I think. And they are, they're not students, they're not, they've got no. They're just enjoying walking on the grounds, which, which why, why shouldn't they? It's great. I think one of the things I'd like to see long-term actually is that when the campus was placed where it is uh, on the Vivian estate, you probably noticed that the, the fence is still around the Singleton campus. It's listed, unfortunately. Why is there a fence there? We promote ourselves as a campus within a park. We take the fence down then. There's no reason for the fence to be there. It's set in Parkland. This sort of literal barrier in every sense of the word doesn't have a, just has no function anymore. So I like to see that gone, to be honest, and have, have that more open. And, and the Bay Campus, yeah, it, it is what it is. It will get there eventually. Although that's, it's, it's constantly evolving. That one, I think Singleton is pretty much maxed out as far as development goes and new buildings. I know there were plans to take things like Talbot down and, and, and re, I think we're at the stage now where we'll have to take something down to put something back there with, with the bay, obviously that's just evolving closer and closer down the coast. So, um, yeah, that'd be interesting to see how that pans out. Very interesting times, I think. Yes. Yes. It's never, never a dull moment, Gareth, no. The, the last sort of three questions really are what we call our salty questions. It's a bit less uh, formal, a bit more sort of fun. So if money were no object, uh, what one thing would you change about the university's grounds and why? If money were no object, if money were no object, I'd spend the money on subterranean car parks. So you can't see the bloody thing. <laughs> so yeah, can't, I think, yeah, underground car parks, just plant up on top of it. And a lot more green roofs as well on the buildings, I think. Yeah. And, uh, well, I suppose I know you've got two campuses, uh, so the Singleton and the Bay. So can you tell us one thing that we probably don't know about the university grounds? Oh, um, there's quite a few things, but most of it's not repeatable. <laughs> well, there's a, well, it's actually, it's one place I've never been. Apparently there's a really large wine cellar under the Abbey. Very large wine cellar with wine in it, but I've never been down there. I probably won't let me down there, but, uh, as it was a wine cellar there, um, there was a farmhouse where the main car park is now in on Singleton. We have archive photos of it. You can still, it was, wasn't that long ago. You can still see it. And at the exit to single, at the exit of the Singleton campus, where you go up on the, down the Abbey road, ever since I've worked here, there's a small flower bed down there. And it's always been called Alex's garden. And no, I'd never met anyone that's explained to me why it's called that. When I did start here, there was a, a small child swing in the corner and the bird bath is still there. Oh, 
there is a hideous sort of gas meter building there now, but I think what it was, it was a gatehouse that would have looked the same as the one that's on the far corner by the boating lake, but it was demolished. But it's always been called Alex's Garden since I've been here, and I don't know why it's, I don't know who Alex is. Maybe a project for the history students to investigate. And we have one final question. So obviously said to be here for 36 years, and we were just wondering what would be the most unusual or the strangest thing that you've seen or come across or found while you've been working on campus? Oh, God. Uh, parakeets is the one. Par I think he's still around, actually. He comes in now and again. He, he flits between um, the Singleton Park and Singleton. We've had mink as well in the Vivian Tower Pool. Uh, huge mink. What else have we had? Strange things. Um, done a few strange things, but uh, strange, strange things. Uh, oh, um, the usual one, it doesn't happen anymore, was the, the we used to have the annual migration of the Pedlo swan used to appear on Fulton Green every year. <laughs> yeah, and one of them was um, just off the Mumbles Pier one year as well. We've had some great things. There's no harm to it. It was just a bit of hijinks, really. It was, we came in one morning and we'd been doing some re-turfing at the back of Union House and the turf had gone. Well, not a lot of it, just a square of turf had gone. They go, oh, someone's, someone's stolen it. And then one of the porters said to me, Paul, have you, um, have you missing some turf? I said, yeah. He said, I, I found it. If you want to come with me. And he took me inside the building. I don't know why. And as soon as he opened the lift doors, they turfed the lift. <laughs> and, uh, and it had its own little garden chair there as well and a parasol in the lift, which I thought was brilliant. Because it wasn't it didn't do any harm, we just put it back where it was, you know. Um very creative. Very creative. We had one we had one student at the top halls, but it used to be called Mary Williams at the time, so long ago it was. And at the time there's a sensory garden there now, but it used to be just a lawn. And um there was one student there which was being very, very disruptive, shall we say? And they waited until he went to sleep. He was on the ground floor. And basically they recreated his bedroom on the lawn, complete with him in the bed. And he was sound asleep. Sound was here and was tippy-toeing past him, including staff as well. And that, that's where he woke up. And uh, I don't think he was any trouble after that. But yeah, it was brilliant. So there's no harm done. I used to get things like um, with the old shows long ago, they didn't lock bikes up then. On the old lamps they used to have, I think there's still a few on campus. There's like a big flying saucer sort of lamp. And they used to take the lamp off, stand on each other's shoulders and pass the bikes up and sort of thread the bikes over the lampposts. So the lamppost is to the middle of the frame of the bike. So you get students coming out of the lecture and there's a, there's a lamppost going through your bike. You know, they put the lamp back on top then. Brilliant. Again, they say it's no harm done. It's just, yeah, just mischief, you know? Yeah. Um, we haven't had any... Um, any soap in the fountains for a while, that's not, I'd probably jinx myself now, it'll happen again. We still get the, yeah, just, you couldn't see the Abbey for foe a couple of times. It was just, yeah. Again, no, no harm done. It's just the end of exams and just go a bit nuts, you know, but yeah, I could write a book, as you say. It's been really, really enjoyable talking to you today. Thank, Thank you. so much for joining us. No problem at all. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Paul. It's really insightful and really nice to get a perspective from the wider staff community as well. Okay, thank you. Pleasure.